With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Very well, thanks. Very well. You've picked someday to be here. I have to say, it's to it's say. all it's all worked out well. Um, I think Tony went into the wardrobe to find a pair of shoes and got lost. So I'm here to take his place. And um, what a, what a day! He was a a super sub on Axon today. What a day! We'll get into. It. Uh, we're joined as always, uh, or or not as always, but uh, as often on Fridays by Celtic by Numbers. Uh, Huddle Breakdown host and Celtic Way writer Alan Morrison. How are you doing, Alan? Yeah, very good. Good, good, uh, good to see you and uh, happy days. Happy <laughs> days. Yeah, the transfer news everybody's been waiting for. Uh, Near Beaton has a two-year contract at Maccabee <laughs> Tel Aviv. Good for him. Yes, good on you, Nero. <laughs> uh, but no, really, we are here to discuss the big news. Every week I've been on here, Brian, the comments have just been announced Jota, announced Jota, announced Jota. I don't know what I could have done about it, but the <laughs> Celtic media team have done it for me. What was your reaction when you saw that tweet this morning? Oh, I was. Um, I think I would describe it as giddy. I think that's how I would de- describe myself this morning. I was over the moon. Um, I had a feeling it was coming, but you always get that sort of anxiety when it takes that long. You get the, it's like almost PTSD about Eddie Howe, isn't it? When you, <laughs> it's been that long, you start to think something's going to go south. Um, you know, if you saw him in some sort of other strip, they'd have been devastated. But thankfully, uh, the man himself arrived and spoke about his love for Celtic and seemed very genuine with it. And it just, it's almost bigger than Jota, right? Because it sort of, it proves now that January wasn't some sort of exception in how we're going about our transfer business now. I mean, it's two days into pre-season. We've got a backup keeper, a new left back, and signed a two probably two of your best players for last season permanently on, on long-term deals as well. So great business all around. It's just a, a brilliant day to be a Celtic fan. Most days are, but in particular today. Well, I would say most days are, uh, unless you uh, discount uh, two years about a season ago or something like that. Um, apart from that, it's pretty good to be a Celtic fan. But yeah, Alan, just talking about what Brian's been mentioning there, um, any idea that we had that, that any of Ange's dealings in the transfer market were going to be a kind of one-off um, fire sale or a one-off um, panic buys in January and anything like that? Business like this with Jota is, seems to be proving the, the exact opposite, doesn't it? 
It does. Um, I'm I'm going to be a little bit more uh, cautious than Brian. Um, <laughs> you know the old the old maxim about you know giving a manager three transfer windows. Uh, I, I don't count last summer as being the first one because you know it was just chaotic. And uh, mm. you know if you look back at, at it actually, and the, the two loan deals for Carter Vickers and Jota and Jack Amaka's signing were done on the last day. And we were all kind of like, oh, who are these guys? Kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, in retrospect, look, look brilliant. But, it, but you know, we saw from the teams that we put out in the early days of the season that that, that summer with Anne, you know, Postacoglu coming in, et cetera, et cetera, was, was a bit of a chaotic. I think we saw the first seeds of a new paradigm for how Celtic do business in January. I'd absolutely agree with that. And the signs this summer are hugely encouraging in terms of, you know, getting the business done early, getting the business done uh, for players that clearly uh, fit. The style of play and 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 meet the manager's specification, uh, and and but but I'm not gonna I'm not yet announcing the death of Lowell Ball. I think I'll wait another transfer window, but I'm hopeful that we can in January formally, um, you know, say say our, uh, final farewells to the last vestiges of Lowell Ball. Yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully we can. Um, Alan, I'll come back to you first on this before I go to Brian. Um. We all know Jota's skill. We all know the excitement he brings. Um, but from a stats point of view, for you as somebody who's invested in that side of things, how much of an impact does he actually make on that side of things as a player in the in the team? Because I think for for somebody who watches the game from purely an emotional and, and, and eye test point of view, I, I know what Jota brings to me. But he's got to have that impact in in other areas of the game as well. And how much does he have that for you? Sorry, I thought I thought you said Brian. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're live. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, so J- Jota's. I mean, he's a hugely, hugely talented player, um, and also and very uh, exciting. Obviously, I love the. By the way, I just love the little video that Benfica put out to say goodbye to him, which I thought was a nice touch. If you haven't seen it, check it out. There's a wee Diddy Jota running around, skirting past players and belting it into the top corner. It's lovely. Uh, give give that give that one a, a look out. Um, listen, he's he's what he's. I keep when I talk about Jota, I always use the phrase he's a high volume player. And what I mean by that is, he, for a winger and for a, a, a creative attacking player, he gets on the ball an awful lot, um, much mm. more than those types of players generally do. And, and and by some metrics, so for example, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too deep, but just to, I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. So Statsbomb have got all these um, on-ball value metrics, which are kind of an attempt to distill players' values and contributions down to, to one metric. And he doesn't score that well by them. And I think the reason for that is because um, each, if you if you actually averaged out all of his actions, the average off them wouldn't be particularly high. But overall, the volume of chances that he creates, the volume of um, you know um, shots that he has, etc., is is very very high. And so, as I say, he's not he's not super efficient, but he's just high volume. And but what I think what I, where I think he's incredibly valuable for this Celtic team. Balance that he brings to the forward line, because not only in a literal sense, in that he can play on either side, but in a in a logical sense, in that if you compare him to the attributes of the other forward players, um, you, you, they're almost the opposite of what I've just described. Somebody like a, a Kyogo, especially, hardly gets on the ball, hardly touches the ball, but when he does, he's, he's incredibly efficient. Maeda, Maeda's many of Maeda's strengths are actually off the ball. You know, his, his pressing, his hounding of defenders, etc. On the ball, he doesn't do a lot um, that's particularly flashy or, or or risky. He usually just keeps it simple unless he's in the box and then he's a real threat. So having somebody like Jota playing with those two, for example, it creates a wonderful balance to the front line. Um, and, and in terms of specifics, to give you the a sort of flavour in the data for what Jota's like, um, it's only Turnbull that plays more passes into what we call the danger zone. So the danger zone being in front of the goal, uh, with you know to, to to the depth of the penalty box. And Turnbull's a lot of his are from set play. So from open play, Yota provides you know more of those types of passes into that dangerous area than than any player that I've uh, that I've, I've captured data for. As I said, with high volume, he's also a high risk player. So when I talk about high risk. What I mean is. 
you know, he he accepts that not every pass is going to be accurate. He'll he'll take the risk. So, um, an example of those types of players would be a, a Stuart Armstrong or a Ryan Christie, who can cause frustration because it seems like they give the ball away a lot. But it's because they're trying to do highly creative things that are very risky and and often don't come off. And again. A good counterpoint would be James Forrest. James Forrest is a player who actually puts relatively little risk into the, into the game. is actually quite careful with his passing and tends to create good quality chances because he'll only cross the ball if he thinks there's a there's a good chance to be had of it. But you need a bit of both. And again, uh, Jota brings that sort of risk and uncertainty. Having said that, he's on par with somebody like a, a Sinclair in terms of shots inside the box. And I would think of Sinclair as more of a second forward than a than an out-and-out winger. Um, he, only only Turnbull and O'Reilly had more key passes from open play than Jota last season, and they're obviously playing central. Uh, I, I, do a, I do an aggregated attacking metric, uh, and only only Forrest in his 1920 season, that was peak James Forrest, has had a higher kind of uh, attacking threat score that I've recorded. So you, 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 I could go on and on and on. But what, you, what you've got with Jota as a player where it's high risk, high reward, right? He's, he's, he's good enough that um, he makes, he's a good decision maker in general. I mean, there are areas that he clearly can, can improve. His shot decision making is poor. Um, and he's, he's, he can still improve in terms of uh, his final pass uh, decision making. He probably errs just a little bit too much on the risky side. We're talking about tiny, uh, a tiny margins here. But um, no, wonderful, wonderful talent. Um, incredible that somebody as talented as him. Uh, is at Celtic and for the long haul, and that you know he clearly is invested in in being here as well. So yeah, great, great news. Yeah, um, Brian, I'll come to you in a second, but I just wanted to pull up some of the comments coming in from everybody watching on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, wherever you're watching. Um, see. CJ Mick says, beautiful Friday, Jota on the wing. Um, Sean McFadgen says, uh, signing Carter Vickers and Jota, a big statement of intent, which I absolutely agree with. I was talking to Paul John before we came on air and we were saying we would have been happy to get one of those. Um, and that's and, and it's absolutely true that getting both of them is a, is a bonus. So um, Magnet67 says, afternoon act, so I'm team delighted with Jota. A number six, a striker and a centre half would be dreamland. Can't wait for it all to kick off. And this one, I'm just going to indulge myself a little bit. Stubbsy's horse says, Axom live for the first time in ages. Laura hosting and Jota signing jackpot. I'll take that, Stubbsy. Uh, I'm more excited about Jota signing, but, you know, thank you very much anyway. Um, Brian, um, <clears throat> Alan touched on it just at the end of what he was saying there. To get somebody like Jota, who obviously had such ma- massive ties to Benfica, we saw that with the affection with which they said goodbye to him. It, it was, I'm sure, an emotional wrench for him to move away. How much does that tell you about the relationship he's built up with other players at the club, with the manager, with the fans, that, that he's willing to give all that up? and come and play for us on a more permanent basis? Yeah, well, I think it speaks volumes. I think it shows that there's a, a couple of ways you can look at it. Obviously, the Cardiff Champions League football is going to be huge for a, a player as Jota's profile. I think if he can perform on that stage, the possibilities are endless for him. He's so young as well. He's 23. Um, so it's a huge opportunity for him personally. So even if, he, if he's looking at it just a, pragmatically, He's going to play, he's going to play Champions League football, so that's an incentive. But I think what you're looking at is, and you can see it in the type of character he seems to be, is this is the culture that Ange has fostered at the club. He speaks so often about signing people, not players, mm. which I, I think is kind of wonderful. I, I love that yeah. attitude. And, and you can see the, the players when they speak, how sort of passionate they are and how invested they are. And you, you see in the little the clips, they seem to go on really well and be quite close now, and they all speak and glow in terms of not only the coaching staff, but of Callum McGregor as well. And I just think that having that sort of, you know, Andrew's been very clear that he wants players who want to be there and are passionate about being there. And if you're not, he's not interested. You know, you can move on. And I, th- and I love that mentality. And I think that must be infectious for the players because mm. they're buying into this place that they're creating something special. And I mentioned before, like intelligent, smart football players like playing with other intelligent, smart football players and they like playing attacking football. They're coming to Celtic to play expansive football, be on the ball a lot, showcase their skills and do it for a, for a massive club with a, a um, sort of huge, passionate fan base. And that's incredibly attractive for a young player. 
adding to that, you've also got the fact that they're coached to such a high level. Mm. Now, if you look at the way Ange coaches, and that's at a high intensity, high press, high energy, superb levels of fitness, bravery on the ball. Those are attributes that any of those players can apply to any big club in the world now. If you look at, you know, the Manchester City to the world, your Borussia Dortmunds, etc. If they were to go to that level or even another club, they're so prepared to walk straight in now. So it's a huge training ground for them um, to come to Celtic. Uh, and the fact they said he loves it, which sort of pulls in the, the heartstrings, um, is it, just amazing. I'm actually I'm super excited about it today, as you can tell. I was just mm. putting finishing touches to my I love you, Jota sign. I was putting my glitter on it. <laughs> I think it's the most excited I've been during a transfer window because yeah. of complete faith in Ange Postacoglu and how he works within our transfer system. Yeah, I think uh, for for everybody watching, um, I, I was talking to Brian just briefly before we came on air, and the only way I can describe it is like a fourteen year old in the front row at a Harry Styles concert. It was like. <laughs> We're pretty excited here, I have to say. Just to come back to you on that, Brian, the, the, um, Alan was talking about some areas where um, he's a risky player. Um, but I think with that, and I think what Alan was saying as well, not to put words in his mouth, was with risk comes reward occasionally. I'm thinking of the goal against Rangers, the goal against Aberdeen at Pataudry. Um For you, Brian, is it... Is, is that element of, of player type as important for you as like a reliable player for Celtic? Absolutely. I actually think it can be more important at times because there's an unpredictability in that risk, isn't there? Because they'll just mm. try something that maybe somebody else wouldn't have thought of. I immediately think of the pass for Kyogo. I think it's yeah. Farosh. Now, there's no many players going to come up with that and maybe execute that pass. So, yeah, you can have, you can have you know, 10 out of few players that are very sort of reliable scoders and going about their business and they're, they're, they're quietly efficient, but you need that sort of extra. That's why I... Um... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I'm also a huge fan of Matt O'Reilly for that. I just think he's got that sort of football intelligence that he just tries things that other people won't. And yeah, sometimes it may not come off, but that's all right because you've got the balance of the reliable players that can sort of support that creativity. Um, and obviously Tumble's another huge asset. He's a guy that I'm excited about next season. I was um, no critical, but I did question if he would fit post the whole system because off the ball, he's, he's no the greatest presser. Mm. He doesn't need the natural legs to get about. But what he's contributed to Celtic last season, you know, even if you look at the stats over the course of the season, even though he only played half of it, it's quite incredible. So mm. I think um, to have that option uh, in the midfield is, is going to be really special next year as well. Yeah, I think um, options is what we've always been crying out for, especially when we talked uh, the number of times, especially in Neil Lennon's last couple of years where we looked at the bench and thought we don't have options on the bench. That's certainly not going to be a problem for us this season coming forward. Um, Alan, I, I wanted to ask you as well, um, I don't know if this is your personal opinion, Alan, but I, I always find, or, or usually find, 
uh, loan signings being made permanent a bit underwhelming. They're not quite as exciting as a brand new signing. They're not quite as um, intriguing as a brand new signing for, for a number of reasons. But this one feels different to me just because we know the type of player we're getting. Do you think do you think we've got a right in this in this instance to be as excited for, for the permanent signing of a loan player as we would be if he was somebody new coming in? No, I think I think we do because you know even when he signed and it was the last day of the transfer window, and then as soon as I saw him play, I thought there's no way, there's no way he's hanging around longer than a year. Just just not mm-hmm. going to happen. And I, honestly, I just you know, thought, listen, let's enjoy the guy, uh, and then you know we'll, we'll all kind of move on. Um, there's not many where we've made that move. In fact, to my mind, in terms of first team players, Fraser Forster came on loan for a couple of years, and then we signed him. I can't think. I'm, I'm sure. I'll be corrected very quickly, but I can't remember the last one that we actually signed permanently. You know, we had El Yunusi for two years, but that was never again, never, never looked, looked lightly. Um, so yeah, I, I was I was not thinking at all that we would we, we'd end up in this situation. Um, and indeed, I'd, you know, my understanding is that, that, that there's many at Benfica that are absolutely furious that this become come to pass, and I, I'm, I'm surmising now that. One of the reasons that this took so long, other than the fact that I think there's a bit of jig- accountancy jiggery pokery around this falling into the new tax year in terms of assigning, I think there's a bit of that going on. Um, was, it's probably because of Benfica board to try and save a little bit of face, been trying to eke out as much as they possibly could from this because there's, there's, there's general bemusement within the club that Jota has been allowed to allowed to go. I'm, I'm totally shocked at the extent to which he seems to genuinely have fallen in love with the place. Because again, why would a kid from Portugal uh, do that? You know, and a guy of his talent, I'm sure he's you know not short of um, of other possibilities of where he could go. So yeah, absolutely. You know, I, the, the signs have been good all summer, to be honest. So this isn't a surprise, but it's a surprise from when I sat here last season um, at the beginning of the season and he'd signed on on loan uh, to me. And then when I first saw him, to me, I just thought, nah, no chance. We've got absolutely no chance. But let's enjoy him. So this is this is yeah I feel this is great and I think this is a real uh, to, to to Brian's point I think this is a, a real good sign in terms of you know Celtic being seen as a place where players of his talent and potential can come at a good fee on a good good salary but still you know with the potential to grow further into into a bigger club I don't know what his ceiling is I, I suspect if I'm being Brutally honest, he just probably lacks that little bit of pace to be absolutely top tier in terms of, you know, your you top five, maybe in England, if you want to think of it that way. Um, I'm, that might be being a little bit harsh. He's still got a bit of growth to do. Um, but what he has got, which modern coaches love, is that fearlessness. He, he's absolutely fearless. He's brave on the ball. He wants to take the fullback on. If he gets hammered or he tries to take the fullback on and he gets beat, speed it doesn't deter him he'll try again he'll try another trick and and and, you know modern coaches love that they love difference makers in that final third so I think he's got a chance to go to go on to a very very good level yeah I've tried a few of those tricks after I get hammered as well it doesn't work out (laughs) quite as well but uh, (laughs) Alan just to come back to you on a point that you made there about Elian Nussi and about um about some of the other loan signings we have seen that that was a a I don't know whether it was a deliberate tactic or or what it was, but we we seem to have dealt in the loan market an awful lot the last few years. Having said what you said about Elianusi and, and and things like that, do you see this as being a kind of change in the way that we are doing things? Are we going to go down the more permanent signing route after making these signings permanent, or do you think it will be more loans or loans to buy? What's your opinion on the strategy going forward? No, I think that strategy has persisted, um, you know, and I think it's uh, something we'll continue to do. So I don't think we've actually changed approach on that one. If you look back through, you, you know, um, you, you know, people like Benkovic and Burke and Weya and even Toyan and, um, you know, the list goes on and on. And players that we've we've brought in on that basis who, who are probably at, at clubs where, they're thinking, can I break into, you know, the problem decent contracts, quite young players, but on decent contracts, they're, they're at big clubs that can afford, or or clubs that can afford high salaries, not necessarily big clubs <laughs> um, compared to Celtic in that, in, in, in that sense. Um, but no, I think we'll continue to follow that that model. I think it makes absolute sense for a club like Celtic. It kind of de-risks a lot of uh, 
the issues around players settling in, getting to know the environment, getting to know the league, the try before you buy, if you like. So I think we'll continue with it. I think the big step forward this season is is the relationship, especially Carter Vickers, the relationship that he formed with the manager uh, was, I suspect, a huge um, um, you know, uh, factor in him deciding to continue to stay. And listen, as well, especially in England, um, there's a huge stockpiling of players that's taken place. And, and, and clubs like Chelsea, Man City, Tottenham, they see this as an opportunity to make money. They make money from the loan fees and they make money from buying players who, who, for two or three million and then selling them for six or seven million. And you get five or six of those in a year. You, you, you've kind of, you've given yourself leeway to buy another first team player potentially. So, but what's changed is in the transfer market is there's changes to the rules around the number of players you can have out on loan uh, in England that aren't homegrown. So this stockpiling of foreign young foreign players, especially, uh, I think is going to um, is going to reduce. And but what it does mean is that there's probably quite a bit of um, shift to be had in the market, and that's why potentially we're looking at. Yeah, the the Japanese kid, well, he's not a kid, the Japanese player Itakura from Man City, because they simply can't afford to have him out on loan again. He's 25. He's never going to go into the Manchester City first team. So I think there's lots of opportunities out there to pick up really good players from good clubs over the next couple of years as those teams calibrate, recalibrate their squads to meet the new regulations. Um, so I think as a, as a market, we'll continue to to explore. What what seems to be a difference maker now is we've got a manager who who, who seems to be able to convince people <laughs> and is incredibly you know charismatic and persuasive, and that and uh, people believe in him and believe in what he's trying to do, and that's massive. Yeah, I think that's a. I think like you say, that's a massive part of things because. You know, with all due respect to the Scottish game, I don't think it's many players' dream to come and play in Scotland unless they know Celtic beforehand. So having a manager that can reinforce what's so special about this club and what we what you can achieve by playing here is 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 vital. Um, Brian, we'll move on slightly from the Jota conversation for a bit now. Um, the 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 strap says their Celtic summer spend hits nearly eighteen million, but how many more do we need? We've we've got a second choice goalkeeper for for Hart. We've um, got Carter Vickers in on a permanent deal. We've uh, got Bernabe, who we'll talk about at left back, and we've got Jota. Where Brian for you are the are the next target areas? Where, if any, do you think we need to strengthen in the squad um, between now and the end of the season? I think at end of the preseason. I think one of the commenters said we've still get eight weeks to make some more signings. What do you think we can do in that time? I think in terms of what we, we need, we, we definitely need a, a first choice centre back to partner Carter Vickers. For all stuff else done well and they formed a good partnership, it's it's an uneven partnership because if it's Starfelt and Welsh, you don't get the same results as Starfelt and Carter Vickers, right? Mm. So I think we need a really strong partner for Carter Vickers. Um and again that's not having a go at Starfelt. Like if you put me up front next to Ronaldo, we'll be a good strike partnership. But if Ronaldo starts playing, it'll be an awful partnership because I'm rotten, right? I'm not saying staff it was that bad, but you do need a really strong um, left side centre back, especially for the Champions League. Mm. I think you need a really strong defensive midfielder as well. Um, I like the sort of stats I've saw about uh, uh, Vinicius Souza. Mm. I don't know if that's going to come in. I think if that comes in, it'll be a loan. I don't think it'll be a loan to buy. Um, I'd take Vinicius Junior, though. Well, hi, that'd be all right. See if he <laughs> might get up at, up at East End. <laughs> Applying <laughs> chips, you never know. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of people are saying we need another striker. I would disagree. I think we need another winger mm. because I think Maeda can come in if God forbid Yakimakis and Kyogo get injured. And I think Abada can play there as well if need be. You've also got Kenny and Dawson in the sort of B team. Mm-hmm. Whereas out wide, we've only got Maeda, Shota, Abada, Forrest. Johnson's not going to feature, so I'm not counting him. Maybe be harsh, but I just I, I'm not going to count him moving forward. So we, I think we need reinforcements on the wing, and I think we need a, a as close to a Jota like player as we can get. Because if you look at the way Jota plays, he's the only winger we have at the club plays that way. Mm-hmm. Abad is almost a second striker at times. He sort of cuts in. He doesn't really dribble past people. It's not really his game. Maeda's is all about the press. Forrest is a, a sort of clever, more tactical player. So I think we need another Jota-like player. Um, and I think that would be enough 
I don't see he's got another four players. I think that's optimistic. Um, I think it'll be another three. So winger, centre, mid, uh, centre back. And I think maybe two, at least two of them will be loans with options to buy. Yeah. Um, Alan, what do, what do you think of Brian's uh, transfer market imaginary dealings there? Would you agree or would you be in his ear uh, as the assistant manager saying, no, no, I think I think we need to go down another route? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to make this better telly by completely rubbishing and disagreeing with everything that Brian said, but unfortunately, <laughs> I largely agree with everything that Brian said. Um, I did write about this on Celtic by Numbers on the 24th of May. I did my piece on what I thought we needed. And if I go through my list there, of my, my own little shopping list, um, I wanted a, a starting left back, or at least a challenging starting left back. So that's tick. Uh, I wanted two centre backs, and we've got one. Uh, Carter Vickers, so that's half a tick. I wanted another box-to-box midfielder, but I did my caveat on that was: Are we going to flog McGregor for another sixty games at twenty-nine years old in that six position? Question mark. Um, do we think Itiguchi and McCarthy would be able to play twenty-five games? I'm pretty convinced on the former that that isn't going to happen, and on the latter, I don't think it's going to happen either. It'll be seen as a squad player to bring off the bench and shore up tight games. So so potential for a, a, a six potentially as well. Um, and the other one that I called out was, as, as exactly as Brian said, really thinking about succession planning for, for James Forrest. And I, and I completely agree with the logic of what you said in terms of probably more a player who's going to be like more Jota-like, that sort of high risk, high volume uh, type of creative player that you know, might be a bit frustrating on occasions, but you know puts a lot of danger into the game as opposed to a more sort of safer option. So, um, I, I, I still think for sure there's going to be two more. Uh, definitely, there's absolutely definitely a centre back um, and a, a another central midfielder. Whether it's a a box to box eight or a six, I'm not sure. Whether there'll be loan to buys or buys, I'm not sure. I can't imagine we're going to net spend an awful lot more than what we have. And there's still a bit, a lot of squad pruning to be done uh, between now and the end of um, August as well. So that will play a part. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. I think um, I think most people can see where we need to strengthen, and I think both of your points are are, are valid in that sense. It's just a case of, thankfully, we're not doing things the way we've done it in the past, and we still have plenty of time to to get more of those dealings in. I'm going to spring this one on you guys, and I know, Alan, in particular, you like to prepare, but uh, this one's just come up in the comments an awful lot, and I just thought I would uh, I would, um, I, I would, ask it. Uh, Ridiculizer says, delighted so far. I would love to see uh, strength and height added to the centre-half, six left-back, and Jordan Larson would be the cherry on top of the cake. Brian, I'll come to you first. Jordan Larson, he's been in the papers an awful lot. It seems like whenever he's in the transfer market, he's linked with Celtic whether there's any more validity to the story or not because he's a free agent after his uh, contract at, at um, Spartak Moscow um, being torn up, essentially. Um, whether that brings any more validity to the story he might come to Glasgow uh, or not, I don't know. Um, but, Brian, what, what's your thoughts on it? A, just as a player individually, <coughs> would, would you take him? And B, um, what do you think it means in terms of the pressure that might be on him because of the name on the back of the shirt? Yeah, it's an interesting one. If, if you're sort of, you know, whenever you play FIFA or Champ, you usually try and sign them, don't you? Just because <laughs> Larson up front. Unfortunately, that's not how things work. And I think that, look, the, the corporate answer is if Ange thinks he's good enough and signs him, I'll be happy because I trust Ange. I don't mm. know enough about the player other than he's Henry's son. I would hate for him to come and flop or no play or no be happy or no I, 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 that would be horrible it would be like Larson coming back as a coach or something and mm. it'd be an it, it's something that I, I kind of don't want so the the, the cop out on the fence answer is Evange mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with Cox Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. 
based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Thinks he's good enough. Then he's good enough. I don't think we should be signing players kind of on sentiment. And I may be doing the guy a disservice. I don't. I've not seen enough of him to suggest if he's if he's good or not, or, or good enough. Um, I suppose the question would be: Is he better than Kyogo and Yakimakis? Is he going to fit into the system? Um, and could he handle that pressure? As you say. So, if you're asking me right now, I'd probably say no, just because there's a lot of unknowns about it. It would be great for the fans and get the up, but. I, I think there's a more risk with it. However, if Anne signs him, then I'll be cartwheeling down the street and high-fiving strangers because you I can get a strip with Larson in the back and, and is, a, is a, a 39-year-old. So, um, yeah, that's Listen, my... Listen, Brian, you can, st- you can still do that. You can still do that. I know, I know. Um, but I also want O'Reilly and Wacker one and I want Josh on the back of one. And so there's a lot to get done there and uh, I'm not sure I could, I could pull them off anymore, if I'm honest. Yeah, <laughs> well, no comment on that. I mean, uh, listen, I'm sitting here in a Celtic shirt, so who am I to criticise? Um, the problem is when you get to 39 and you start wearing the hoops, it's no as flat as it was when you're, you're 21. <laughs> listen, listen, just from, from experience, don't accidentally buy the match fit shirt because that's, not, that's <laughs> no good for anybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alan, I'll, I'll come to you on that. When the Jordan Larson thing um, comes up, pretty often the romantic side of me says I would love to see him back to see what he could do if you could guarantee me he would be a success I would take him in a minute and I have to say I've seen enough of his scoring record to think that he might you know bang in goals in Scotland that I've no doubt about that and especially in a in an Ange side but I think the the reluctance that Brian talked about of what if it doesn't work? It really would be heartbreaking on a bigger scale than for most players, regardless of what we say about not dealing in emotion. Um, what's your thoughts on the Jordan Larson story? Does it have validity for you? Do you do you think it's an idea that or, or a road we should go down? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise you to know, being sort of data-driven, fact-based, I've got really no kind of much time for this sort of sentiment-based <laughs> uh, decision-making. I, I'm wanting us to buy the best players that fit into the system and, and the manager's philosophy, of course. I don't even, even know if there's any genuine um, reason to think that, that Celtic are linked with them in any way other than yeah. wishful thinking on behalf of uh, of people who, who are sentimental football fans, and we're all sentimental football fans, in, including me. I'm all, I was only joking. Um, however, having said all that, if you just look at him as, an, as a football player and if you look at the data associated with him, he does have a certain attraction, <laughs> and that is that he's actually a player who can play anywhere across the front three and even can play as an, as an attacking number eight. So... Mm-hmm. That, to me, could solve a number of problems, or at least a couple of problems. At least it could solve the the, the winger the winger situation that we talked about, uh, Brian. That Brian pulled up, and it could even solve the the extra body at number eight, as well as additional coverage at striker. Though I agree with with Brian, I, you know, I, I've re- reassessed based on the evidence that I've seen with my eyes. I've reassessed my uh, my my ranking of strikers to Kyogo, Jakimakis, you know, Maeda and Abada. So I think we've got four players there that can all play that striking role really well. Um, so, but anyway. Um, depending on, you know, does does the manager know him? Does he like him? Does he want to come to Celtic? Is he passionate to join the project? What's the money like? All those things. Um, he, he, he's actually he's actually looks quite useful uh, for, yeah. for for a number of reasons. So so that that's my kind of take on it. Oh, don't send me off dreaming here, Alan. I was expecting you to to rubbish it straight out straight off the bat. And now <clears> well, I don't know if there's anything in it I'm... in reality, but I'm just saying. <laughs> It's something to, to, that would be worth looking at if uh, only on the on the basis of, of him as a footballer. Yeah, well, I'm going to be walking away from this show today with yeah, my face is going to be that wee heart eyes emoji after this because I'm just going to be like <laughs> dreaming of uh, Larson and Kyogo up front. My goodness, right? But anyway, uh, Red Scotland says he's like his dad and he's ice cold. He wouldn't give two hoots about his dad's legacy, and as a supporter, nor would I. I, I think uh, I think hopefully most Celtic supporters would treat him with. 
the same way we would treat any other player and, and judge him on his appearances and not put too much pressure on him to live up to the legacy of his dad because I, let's let's be honest, I don't think anybody is going to do that for most Celtic supporters. Um, uh, Brian, I'll come back to you. Um, I nearly called you the name of the commenter there, but that, there you go. Um, I wanted to bring this one up, sure, Brian. Um, <laughs> um, Robert Heinlein says, after the discussions we've had, um, can't sign too many players, need to provide a pathway for youth players. Brian, what's your opinion on that? Do you think... I, I'm more of the opinion that youth players will come through regardless of signings if they're good enough. Um, but I can see what the commenter means in that if you keep piling in new signing after new signing, it is going to push those youth players who were thinking they were just breaking into the team down a, a peg or two. Do you think the way we're operating at the moment is getting in the way of some of those players making a breakthrough at Celtic? I don't think at the moment, because I don't think there's anyone good enough to come through and, and step into the squad, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. And that, that seems very harsh. And I've been sort of um, a bit of a grump about the academy because I don't think there's enough there. So people are saying, you know, we should be looking to bring players through, and we should, but that's not going to be this season, and it's probably not going to be next. I think where, 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 what's really positive, though, is the fact that Andrew's restructured and put McManus down, and they've tried to make sure that the youth players that are coming into the club are as fit, as fast, as strong, and as technically aware as the players in the first team, mm. so that eventually they will come through. And I think longer term, that will be Celtic strategies. You know, since the... the you know, if we send a bunch of 16-year-olds just now, then by the time they're 19, they should, in theory, be able to come in. But I just don't think, other than, you may get, <clears throat> so I've been harping on about Dane Murray, I'm a big fan of his, I think he's a player with a lot of potential. Mm. You may think that, say we sign a, a centre-half to partner, Carter Vickers, then you've got Welsh and Starfield to cover for those two, you do need a fifth, sort of centre-back option, in case of injury. So that could be the case that it he keeps maybe Dane Murray or Boston Lowell as options there. Optimistically, you can maybe see Rudy Vata coming in, maybe just to help out in the wing on occasion. But I, I think, you know, if we're really honest, I, I think that there's no one there I'm desperately saying, why are they not getting a chance? And that's the problem more than the, the actual philosophy behind it, if that makes sense. So I don't think Ange's... He actually said, I think, one of his first press conferences, he wants academy players running through and he sees that as the future. I just don't think there's enough there to come in and impact the team at the moment. So I do agree with the commentator in theory that if you if you keep becoming a club that's always signing new players, then why would you even bother having a youth system? Mm-hmm. That has been a bug there for a long time, but it's also been a problem for a long time that you know any fix for a long time. Um, so I don't think it applies now, but I think probably... In the future, it'd be the case. Yeah, um, Alan, Brian bring, brings up a, a, a few good points there. Some of the Celtic B team players that we've talked about that you maybe thought, Boston Lowell, who captained the team pretty successfully last season um, as a particular option. We saw when Ange first came in, players like Leo Held and um, Dane Murray looking as, and uh, Owen Moffat was another one, looking as though they would breakthrough into the team only for us to make signings and for those names to disappear off the team sheet. Um, what do you think of that question from the from the commenter about, you know, standing in the way of youth players and, and hmm. you know, the signing policy being a, a hindrance rather than a help in that way? Again, sorry to, to disappoint in the sense that, you know, what Brian said made absolute absolute sense, right? So there's two two main problems. One is that structurally there isn't a credible pathway for any youth player from from you know youth football to first team football in Scotland i don't i'm not saying that the reserve league is the perfect answer but there isn't that pathway um <coughs> so what happened you know the 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 lowland league which i think is generally a good thing but for celtic that's capped at players that i think are 20 and under at a certain date and time so for those players that are sort of 20 21 22 are either got to be challenging for the first team, or what are you going to do with them? And mm-hmm. and, and the second problem, which uh, I think uh, you know, Brian covered very tactfully, is that you know the 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 academy, if not broken, certainly wasn't functioning effectively. And I think Postecoglou's this wasn't on his 
top top five priority list over the last season, but it's mm. now becoming coming on coming into into is rising up the priority list a little bit, and and as as, as as there's changes there at the top, which reflect that. But as Brian rightly says, it's going to take many years for that to come to fruition in terms of improving the recruitment and then fixing a model for to bring players through in terms of you know. They play for the, the the Lowland team. We mentioned Vata. I mean, he's only seventeen. He's just a kid. Unrealistic to expect him to be in the first team. But then, where do they go? Do they go? Out? Is there like a loan program? Is there a kind of parent, sibling, child club relationships that we build to to give these these guys a, an outlet uh, and, and an exposure to first team, uh, more more like first team football? So the system's broken, and Celtic have got to find, somehow find a way to work within that. And Celtic's own academy system is not functioning well, and they've got to fix that. Those things all take time, because if you and if you look at the cadre of players that are around about that twenty to twenty-two age group, uh, Welsh is already in the first team. Uh, Coffee, I, I don't, you know, we, we, no evidence that he's going to, you know, be first team material. Urugidi twenty-one, Shaw twenty-one, Robertson twenty, Abada's only twenty. He's clearly first team. Moffitt's twenty, Wiley's uh, twenty, uh, and then you know Montgomery's out on loan. And then you mentioned Murray; he's nineteen. Those those are the ones who are of the age that they're probably getting too old for the B team. But where do they go? And of those, there's only a couple are already established first team. The rest of them, you either, you either, you know, move them on. Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, or, uh, so 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 yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one, but and it's going to take a while to for us to come up with a, a more coherent and steady stream uh, uh, through that through that production line. Hopefully, it's something that happens, but certainly not something we're going to solve today. Um, uh, so saying that we will move on we'll talk about our new signing Bernabe from Argentina interestingly enough I read somewhere that he's the first Argentinian player we've ever had in the Celtic first team I, I had no idea that was the case it kind of surprised me but um, but it's an interesting fact nonetheless but we will come to him to round out the show um, Alan I'll come back to you on this one first though it's the great Enrico Anoni's birthday today uh, I don't know exactly his age, but happy birthday, Enrico, if you happen to be watching. He's a bit Anders- older than me. <laughs> right, okay, well, um, well, fair enough. Enrico, if you want to challenge that, um, then get in the comments and tell us. Um, uh, Lawrence, a contributor, uh, assures us all he's best pals with Enrico. Um, I'll take him at his word um, uh, and and say that I would love to be pals with Enrico as well. I've met him once in a car park in East Kilbride going into a pub. Uh <laughs> I don't know what that says about either of us, but there you go. Um, Alan, I wanted to get your thoughts on this first because obviously you're you focus on stats. You you talk about even though we are all emotional football supporters, that you like to um, put that to one side when you're assessing a player. Enrico Anoni is exactly the opposite of whatever that is for Celtic supporters. <laughs> He's the epitome of a cult hero. Um, and so I wanted to get your thoughts specifically on. What for you makes a cult hero, either in general or as a Celtic supporter? Why is Enrico so um, fondly remembered, even though he, he maybe wasn't one of the most gifted players ever to put on a Celtic shirt? Yeah, I think there's, a, there's an element of um, you know glamour, right? Italian player comes in, he came, he came from Roma, he'd got to a UEFA Cup final with Torino, you know, and, and although he wasn't like a uh, an, a, an international or anything like that. He, even in those days, you know, t- twenty odd years ago, you still thought, "Wow, we're getting an Italian defender." I mean, an Italian defender—he must be brilliant because he's Italian and he's a defender. It's, it's, you know, what could possibly go wrong? So you've got this kind of glamour around him, and then of course, you know, the reality, which is, you know, he was, he was a kind of not—I wouldn't say a journeyman Italian player. That's too harsh. Probably, but he had a decent career. But um, he probably, you know, he probably wasn't. Certainly, in my mind, I thought we were going to get Maldini or something, you know. And then just remember thinking, oh. <laughs> but but actually, what he did get was just this kind of slightly mad, <laughs> all, all action kind of player. Um, uh, and and, and the, other, the other aspect of it is, you know, you love a player that plays on the left. I think I think left-footed players mm. are just a little bit more, a little bit more eccentric by by nature. I'm just, yeah. So I'm, I'm sure I'll get some abuse for that one. So yeah, I players, think all, all, players all, all always have a, a you, you always hear about a wand of a left foot. You never hear about yeah. a wand of a right foot. 
No, I don't think um, I know any <laughs> knew one end of a one from the other, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's certainly left his, his mark on a few. Um, I mean, I always remember, you know, the, the absolutely disgraceful way that he was treated by Hugh Dallas in a, in a couple of games. You know, mm. just abs- I mean, it was cheating. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just not having it. It's as it, anything else, right? Um, and, and you know, and because and of course the guy couldn't help himself. He was passionate. He was so committed, so passionate. He just couldn't help himself in terms of his reactions and his and, and, and his uh, response to that. So yeah, great, very very funny in some respects. Uh, you know, kind of guy, memorable part of, the, of Celtic history. And as I say. Italian defender, what can go wrong? <laughs> yeah, uh, Lawrence is coming in to burst our bubble here. He says he spoke with Enrico today and it's not his birthday. His birthday is the 10th. I'm going to challenge that because it says the 10th on Wikipedia, but Celtic Wiki says the 1st of July. So I'm going with the Celtic Wiki, guys. But if anybody wants to clarify that, Enrico, if you want to come on in, on your actual birthday, if it is the 10th, come on Axom and, and prove us wrong, then, uh, then you're welcome to do so. Um, Brian... Alan touched on an interesting point there about Enrico Anone and, and how he captured the imagination of Celtic supporters. I know as a as a kid, the idea that we were signing an Italian player from Roma was like uh, unbelievably glamorous to me. And I think that set him off in good stead to to be a hero amongst the Celtic support even before he had set foot on the pitch. Um, what memories, if any, of you do you have of him, and what are your thoughts on like what we talked about about him being a cult hero for Celtic? Why, why do you think that's happened in his specific case? Well, I think it's, it's the the thing that stands out <clears throat> was that it was the sort of player that that Celtic were needing at the time because those Tommy Burns were very attacking, very free thrown, but they were looking for a bit of steel at the the, the back, and and only sort of fitted the bill. And as, as Alan said, he, he was never going to win any awards for his his superb technical ability, but you know, he quite easily put Brian Loudrop in his place, uh, I recall, and he was part of a team that stopped 10 in a row. So, f- for that alone, and as well, and, and it's funny, I think there's parallels actually with, with um, sort of safety at the moment in terms of the culture. Because when, when Tommy Burns had that, you know, attacking player and stuff like that, and obviously when Jansen came in uh, later, but you look at how passionate I know he was. He's a passionate player and you can tell he's sort, of, he sort of got it and he got involved and I think that's infectious for people as well. I think, you know, we saw it, you know, not a hard back, but also a couple of seasons ago when things weren't going well and the players looked really disinterested. Nobody really mm. looked up right and I think that's something that Celtic fans in particular find hard to stomach. So even sometimes when you've got a guy like Anoni who he's never going to win the Ballon d'Or but he had such passion and, and sort of heart and sleeve and he you sort of admire those qualities in him, um, and I think there's there's an element of that in the post this team, and that mm. all a lot of them are very talented. They've also got that sort of passion and sort of sort of bravery and, and determination, and it's just it's something that I think that you know you, you mentioned it, Laura, about having heroes and stuff, and I just think this current squad, there's so many players that are going to become kind of iconic. I think, yeah, there's such a, a connection to some of these players already. Um, I mean, Kyogo, he's got hero status after a season. And, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's going to remember the, the lob against Tibbs. There's, there's certain players in this team more than there has been for a long time that are going to be these iconic sort of heroic figures. And I know, I know he wasn't quite that, but I think the reason he's such fond memories is, is because of that passion and that sort of dedication. Sometimes it should be a prerequisite, but it not, isn't always the case. And I think that's just something we always yearn for in a player. Yeah, I, I'm totally in agreement that I think you can you can develop hero status very quickly, especially after just a season. I mean, I know he's not an, a hugely popular figure amongst some of the Celtic support because of the way he left, but one of my first Celtic heroes was George Cadet, and he was only with us for for just short of a, se- a full season when you count the, the end of the season when he eventually came into the club and then when he when he left the next year. Uh, a short but, but strong impact for me as a Celtic supporter <laughs> growing up, and I'm sure that that will be the same for, like you say, a lot of Celtic supporters of a young age. Um, with with the lineup we have now, and the good thing as well is we've got we've got a plethora of people you could choose from. There will be kids who Joe Hart will be their hero, kids who Jota will be their hero, Kyogo, um, Yakimakis, Abada. There's 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 loads to choose from, and that's that's the type of Celtic squad we want. Matt O'Reilly, obviously, <laughs> yep, 
forgot okay. about him. David Turnbull, <laughs> yeah, all there, Callum McGregor. <laughs> I could just go through the whole squad, basically. Um, you, talk about of... having, you talk about kids having these pictures and these heroes. Me and Al have got a Mark Riley signed picture of the long yeah, you mentioned so, these little little heart emojis you were talking about earlier. Yeah, there, yeah. It's all, all yeah, like you eyelashes. You know. I, I, I just let it matter. Really. I tell you what, Brian, you finish the Jota sign you were working on, Alan. You do the Matt O'Reilly one, and we'll be we'll be sorted. Um, but, uh, oh. <laughs> um, but uh, to close out the show um, now I've been reliably informed by the commenters that I'm, I'm pronouncing the player's name wrong um, we'll see as the season goes on I'm sure it'll change a number of times but um, we've signed Argentinian left-back Bernabe um, he's come into the club it's confirmed um, Alan I'll come to you first on this one um, a left-back is something we all identified, something we wanted, uh, with all respect to Greg Taylor, who's served us very well since he came into the club. I think there was an appreciation that, at the very least, he needed competition in that area of the field, if not somebody to come in and step things up for us going into Europe. Um, what do you know of the new signing, if anything? What have you managed to see about him or, or gather in terms of statistics? What do you think he's going to offer for us um, going into the new <clears> season? First, first of all, he's um, his his signing is a, a bit of a throwback to um, the way that we played the transfer market have done in the past with the likes of Van Dijk and Wanyama, where we've identified a player at a certain age, twenty one, I think he is, so early twenties at, at most, who's probably play he's played less than seventy five matches in his professional career. And he's, which is just enough not to get on the radar, of you know, in a, in a in a big sense. Uh, he's just 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 about. He's, he's not a, he's not a, a big club. Uh, you know, Lanús aren't one of the top clubs in, in Argentina, and he's not played quite enough games to really sort of catch the attention. So we've we've kind of caught caught him in a bit of a sweet spot there, which is becoming harder and harder to do in the global market because of the you know globalization of football. The, the, the absolute, you know, um, I use the word plethora again. I think it's the third time I've had that on the pod today. <laughs> um, of, of stats and video that's available, um, the, the scouting capabilities uh, of teams now is truly global. So there's very few secrets left in the world. Um, but what I'm really, really excited about is that once again, this looks like a player who's been signed, uh, who is absolutely coherent to the way that the team wants to play. Uh, what what you, this kid is going to be really really exciting. Now there's going to be a lot of rough edges. Okay, he's almost the anti Greg Taylor in the sense that you know he's, he's got the strengths and weaknesses the, the other way around. Um, he's he's not a strong defender. Uh, he is a bit rash. Um, uh, but on the other hand, in terms of in the context of certainly domestic Scottish football, this is a guy that's going to be quite thrilling to watch just for the mm. sheer pace of him. Uh, but also the positions that he's going to take up, and what will surprise people um, was in, is the number of positions he'll take up inside inside the play. So in terms of that, we talk about the inverted fullback role. He's absolutely born to play that role. Um, his left foot is incredibly skillful. His range of passing is good. Uh, he's creative with it as well. The surprising thing, thing that I think will surprise people was the number of times he pops up in the box or pops up in central occasions to cause, create that overload. And to support support the front line, even um, so, I think it's going to be hugely exciting. Um, there's going to be, there's going to be risks there in terms of, as I've said, defensively, his numbers are not particularly impressive, and one to ones, he's not particularly impressive. We've seen that he's got disciplinary uh, disciplinary risk there, and you know, although he's got fantastic pace, which is you know, Taylor's big big. Um, you know, downfall is, and especially in a recovery situation, he's expected to attack a lot as a fullback for Celtic. He doesn't have the pace to recover. This kid does have recovery pace, but he will be forward a lot, and he will be forward in quite unusual situations. So, can he get back? Has he got the discipline to also get back the other way as well? We shall see. But he's 21, and as I say, he's going to be tremendous fun. Yeah, I certainly don't know a lot about him myself, but. Um... Hearing that is really, really exciting to hear. And I think Brian touched on it earlier. Like, uh, 
any signing that, that Ange sees fit to make, I'm willing to I'm willing to bet it'll be a success. Um, Juan Douglas says, Laura, a few English teams were aware of him. It was being said on the radio that English scouts had been watching him a lot longer than Celtic, but that we acted first, changed days indeed. Um, Brian, encouraging that as well, I think, from a supporter's point of view, that we identified an area of weakness that we needed sorted and that the manager's seen it as well. So often we identify areas of weakness that never seem touched. Um, Based on what Alan said and based on on that fact as well, that he seems to have identified a clear area of weakness in the squad and and hopefully sorted it, what what are your thoughts on the new player coming in and and, and how it it says about what we're, we're going to do in the season going forward? Well, first of all, Laura, I don't want you to feel bad about getting his name wrong. I said Rudy Vata, earlier on he said Rocco Vata. At least I get the right pair. So, I might just call me Malky based on his last disciplinary issue. <laughs> um, listen, I think it's incredibly exciting because, as you say, they, they, stood, they stood even without um, knowing Alan's take on it, which is usually spot on. It was the fact that we need a left back and you trust Ansi to sign players. So that in itself, you can kind of think, right, this is going to be exciting. Also, though, one of the things that I think is really important, as well as the new signings, is I think Greg Taylor's attitude's really good. I think, like Ralston, I think he's a he's a, he's a, he's a good footballer, right? But he's not a great player. But he can play great on occasion because he's trying his best. And I think having that competition, because he's going to, Greg Taylor's not stupid, he's going to know he's going to be second choice now, really. I think we'll fight for that and that competition is exactly what the squad needs. And the other thing as well is, if you look at last season, we signed, we, we played really well, played some really good football, had great success, but that group of players, you know, were together for a very short space of time. They didn't have a pre-season. They're all going to be better this year. So even without new signings, the squad was always going to improve. They're always going to be sharper, fitter, stronger and more adept at that system. And if you look at the improvement you made in a guy like Tony Ralston or like a, a Greg Taylor, the coaching's going to definitely improve these players anyway. So mm. you're getting a, a, a squad that won double last year in style. They're going to be better, plus you're getting these additions in. I think it's incredibly exciting sign to be, be a Celtic fan under Angin. One of the other things I think, and I don't know if Alan will, will agree with this, but I think like in terms of the players we're identifying, if you look at the sort of the previous strategy of signing these players from sort of little known leagues for a short amount of money and try and sell them on, I don't think that's changed much. Mm. It's just that Andrew's working very well within that system. So instead of just yeah. taking on a player that has to be a good player, he's saying, right, is this player going to fit the system? And it seems a simple fix, but he's working within that system to great effect. So it's keeping Celtic's risk model, risk model fairly, because they're quite a risk-averse business. He's keeping that kind of in line to balance the books, but doing it his way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an incredibly clever business. And to be fair as well, credit has to go to Michael Nicholson, because mm-hmm. the way we've went about our business seems quite sharp. Sending you in a five-year deal is great business, long-term. It really is. You know, as, as I'll say, they may not be a player that stays with us too much longer, especially with Hazard a great season in the Champions League, but if you get a five-year deal, you're going to get a lot of compensation for that. So these things are, are all hugely positive. Um, I, and it's, it's really hard to find something to complain about. I'm sure I will. Give me, <laughs> give me, I'll, I'll work on it and I'll come back. But at the moment, it's, it's incredibly positive timing and I, I can't wait. I don't think I've been this excited or this energised during a transfer window in, in pre-season for a, a, a lot of years. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think we're all counting down the days to, to Celtic coming back. Um, we're going to end things a little bit sharp today because uh, I got a last minute uh, notice that I have to be somewhere very exciting. I don't want to say where in case I don't get anything content-wise for the channel, but hopefully I'll be able to provide some some good content for the channel going forward that might have something to do with the big news that has broken today, but uh, <laughs> there's no more I can say about that. Uh I just need to take a fan with me, I think, guys, is all I'm going to say about it. I just need to fan <laughs> myself down. Um, 
Alan, Brian, it's been interesting to sit here and watch the love in between you guys. I hope it continues. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for joining me today. It's been a it's been a great one. Uh, thanks to everybody in the comments for watching. Um, keep liking and subscribing to Axon. We've got plenty more content where this has come from. Brian, Alan, thanks very much, and we'll catch you all very soon. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.